All right, let's pray, and then we'll look at Revelation 22 here. <clears throat> Father, we thank you uh, for this evening. Uh, thank you for giving us this day uh, to set aside for, uh, for worship, for fellowship. Lord, uh, we pray again this evening uh, as we read your word and, and uh, consider the things here, please open up our understanding so that we may have a better grasp of all that you've done in our behalf so that we may... Uh, once again, re- be reminded of the promises in, in store uh, f- for us in eternity. Um, Lord, that we may take the encouragement uh, and the assurance from, uh, from this passage that you intend for us to have. So that you are glorified through it all, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to read Revelation 22, verses 6 through 21. 22, 6 through 21, and uh, we come to the close of our study in the book of Revelation. So, verse 6, and remember this is an angel uh, speaking to John and giving the vision, showing him the vision that he's seeing here. Verse 6, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon, Jesus speaking. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all. Amen. Well, I, you know, the emphasis on this, um, 
little section, or in this little section, ought to be pretty, pretty obvious there. Um, in verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. Right? And then in verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon. Verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. And then verse 20, Surely I am coming soon. And then the response, Amen, Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, Which seems to be John's final words there, uh, uh, part of his final words. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Okay, so all the way through the book of Revelation, we've been, we've been um, talking about um, primarily things that we go through uh, in this life um, in terms of all the trouble, the tribulation, uh, and looking forward to uh, the promise that, that God has given us, the promises that God has given us of eternal life uh, in His presence in Jesus Christ. So I, so I gave a, a passage, and I, actually, you know what I try to do a lot of times when I'm preaching through a book is, is take one of the verses and give it to you as a key verse. And, and uh, what I really honed in on this time to help us understand the, the message of the Revelation was actually a verse from outside the book of Revelation. Uh, and anybody remember what that was? What that is? I'm sorry. No. John, John 16.33. John 16.33. And all I'm saying is that this, what Jesus says in John 16.33 um, sums up well the teaching of the book of Revelation. In other words, why, why did He give us the book of Revelation? What, what's the whole purpose in it? And I think this, this verse um, is a great way of summing it up. John, John 16.33 I have said these things to you that in me... You may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Or you could say, I've conquered the world. So, in John 16, Jesus said, um, I've said these things to you, the things that He's been teaching on there. He says, I've said these things to you that you, that you may have peace. That in Me you may have peace. And I think that's, again... That's the motivation behind the book of Revelation, too. He's, he's given these things to us, to believers, so that in Him we may have peace. Why? Because in the world you will have tribulation. And boy, we've seen that in the book of Revelation, haven't we? I mean, we, we, we know it's true anyway from experience. But in the book of Revelation, there's been a, a lot of emphasis on the tribulation in this world. So in the world, you have tribulation. I've, I've said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer or take heart because I have overcome the world. I mean, that's just a great way of summing up the message of the book of Revelation. I've, I've said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I've conquered the world. That is the message that the book of Revelation is communicating to believers. Um, so when we go through things in this life, <clears throat> we need to remember that that's part of living in this world. It's a, it's a broken world. 
And things do um, get bad here. And becoming a Christian does not mean that you're not going to have trouble uh, in your life. In fact, you may actually have more trouble in your life uh, than if you had not become a Christian. Uh, because the world is hostile. And again, we've seen this over and over and over in the book of Revelation. The, the world is hostile toward God and towards the kingdom of God. So Satan is constantly in attack mode. Um, the, the kingdom of Satan, um, which of course includes uh, uh, all of the world, you know, this world system, world system of ungodliness that stands opposed to Christ. And Satan is always in attack mode, attacking the kingdom of God. So there's no peace for us in that sense. I mean, we're never in a we're never in a a position in this world where we're not at war. There's spiritual warfare is always happening. All right. So so there's no peace in that sense. But we can have peace um, in in the fact that we know that Jesus has overcome. The world. He's overcome Satan. He's, he's conquered sin and death. So, to say it another way, the things that we go through here are temporary. And there's a day coming when all of this will be behind us. And the, the, um, the overcoming power of Christ, the reign and rule of Christ, will be made fully manifest. And we will, like it says here in verse 5, we will reign with Him forever. Endeavor. Now, verse 6, where we just started off a moment ago. These words are trustworthy and true. So, he says that a couple of times here, and he's laying emphasis on that. Um, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord God of the... I, let's see. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what must soon take place... In other words, the, the book of Revelation is given to us so that we know um, what is going to take place. And notice he uses the word soon there, and we see that several times here. Uh, again, next verse, verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon, Jesus says. And so then he gives this exhortation, Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So he says, These words are trustworthy and true, and he pronounces a blessing on those who keep the words of the prophecy of this book. And then further along here, we, we, uh, that's reiterated, and he gives, reiterated, and he gives a, a, a curse, basically, for anybody who would distort the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 8 and 9, and I mentioned this this morning. Um, it says, I, John, the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. And he's already mentioned this earlier on, and it may be the same, the same incident. Uh, you know, I don't think it's necessary to, to uh, think that it's happened twice. Um, on one hand, I want to say, hopefully John's got more sense than that. He's already been told once, you know, don't worship angels. On the other hand, I think about our sinfulness and how, <laughs> how, how slow and dull we are, you know. And I think maybe he did do it twice, but... Probably the same incident he's referring to. I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me, but he said, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant and I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. Um, again, a major theme 
in the book, right? I mean, that's, that's what the whole... It's, it's trying to, to uh, um, point our focus upward, right? Worship God and realize that, again, the things that we are dealing with in this life are not ultimate. You know, the, the, the stuff that we go through here, good or bad, is, uh, is temporary. So stay focused on Him. Worship Him. And then he says in verse 10, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy. And the idea there is that these things are given uh, to be revealed. Um, I mean, the, the, the time is all soon, like he says. These are things that are coming soon. So it, it's kind of like make them known is the idea. Don't seal up the book. Make it known. And that's exactly um, opposite of what he says to Daniel, what the Lord, how, the Lord, how Daniel was instructed when he had uh, visions given to him. Um, now they were written down, and we, you can go back and read them. But I, but I think they're they're sealed up in this sense that they're that they're very hard to understand, and and they're they're easier for us to understand than they were for the people in Daniel's day, because they were the visions were talking about events that were far off in the future. I mean, Daniel talks about, for example, the the, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greco Empire, the the Roman Empire. All these things, uh, he was living during the, uh, the, uh, the Babylonian Empire and the transition from, Babylon, ba- from the Babylonian Empire to the Medo-Persian Empire. Daniel's living during that time. So th- these other things in the vision are future, right? You know, the, the, the Greek Empire, I mean, he talks specifically, for example, about Alexander the Great, who was, who was off in the distant future. <clears throat> so the people couldn't fully understand those visions. And I think that's what's meant when he's told to seal it up. You know, seal it up because the time is not yet. But here, he's saying don't seal it up. He's saying just the opposite. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? Because he wants us to understand that these, these things are, are, are close at hand. They're not uh, necessarily far off distant future. For the, in fact, he says, for the time is near, the end of verse 10. So let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Uh, and we've talked about this a little bit before too, but I, I think the idea there is that we, in, in this, at this point, the time has come where um, the opportunity for repentance is over. It's ending, okay? So um, now, where we're at here... We're moving into the, the eternal state. Now, that, that will either be um, eternal damnation away from the presence of the Lord, or it will be eternal blessedness in the presence of the Lord. But, but this is it. You know, there's no more, there's no more um, conversion after this point. So... So he says, let the evildoers still do evil. The filthy still be filthy. In other words, you, you remain in the condition that you're in at this point. Because we're, we're talking here about the eternal state. That's what he's being shown in, in the vision. And so he says in verse 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city, the city we were talking about this morning, the holy city, that they may enter the city by the gates. And notice this separation here again. We've talked about this several times too. 
Outside are the dogs, sorcerers, the sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So you've got this eternal, eternal, can't emphasize that enough, you've got this eternal separation of those who love and practice truth, that is those who are in Christ, those who are saved by the grace of God, and those who love and practice falsehood. And they've, they've been, throughout the book, they've been characterized in different ways. You know, those who follow after the beast and worship the beast and the image of the beast. They've been characterized as the great city Babylon, you know, who stood against the people of God and who um, provoked the people of God to sin and to commit sexual, uh, sexual immorality. Characterizes the great whore. Um, been characterized many, many different ways. You know, characterized as wearing the mark of the beast. Um, you know, being marked out by him as one of his. Well, now, um, and all of that was while, you know, while we're in this world, where, where we are right now. Um, there, there, in other words, there's the kingdom of God in this world, made up of believers, and then there's the kingdom of Satan, made up of unbelievers. And it doesn't matter, by the way, whether they believe in Satan or not. Uh, it, it, you know, it's not necessary that they believe in him to be part of his kingdom. All right? Um, if, if, you're, if you're not in Christ, you are in the kingdom of Satan and part of it. Or, you know, the terminology that is often used is the world. You're, you're in the world. You're in the world and you're of the world. You, you are part of the world that it keeps referring to here as opposed to, to uh, uh, the world being opposed to Christ. But, again, outside, and that's, that's it's the ungodly. And in other words, outside the city, verse 14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes. Um, you know, we, we talked about that earlier, too. <clears throat> what, is, what is being symbolized there? Earlier we saw a multitude, you know, whose robes were washed. What, what do you think is being symbolized there? Being clean. Yeah, well, well, I think it's, the idea there is, is um, the righteousness of Christ applied to us. So, in other words, the, the robe, the, the clean robe, um, you know, like I say, and this is just imagery um, to, to, uh, to picture something, but the clean robes that we are uh, spoken of wearing here, it's the righteousness of Christ. We, we've put on, by the grace of God, the righteousness of Christ. It, it is put to our account. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city. Again, it's talking about the holy city, the new Jerusalem that I talked about this morning. So, so those that are in Christ, those who are washed, who are clean um, by the atoning work of Christ and the righteousness of Christ, are inside the city. And then verse 15 is the contrast. Outside are the ungodly, the unbelievers, characterized here as dogs, um, sorcerers, sexually immoral, um, which, and that's a very broad term. That's where we get our, uh, that's the word from which we get our word um, pornography or pornographic. It's, it's, it's one word in the Greek. It's translated here with a phrase, sexually immoral. Um, but, it, but it's just any kind of, of, of um, illicit sexual activity. In other words, any sexual 
conduct outside of the boundary of marriage, okay? And, and today we have to qualify one woman, one man. <laughs> marriage is one woman, one man, okay? In any sexual conduct outside of that context um, falls in the category of sexual immorality. And murderers and idolaters uh, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And notice how he sums it up there. Because this is not an a exhaustive list. I mean, he's giving a, a list of some evil activity, but, but it's not an exhaustive list. And so he says, and so everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words, these are the ones that don't love and practice the truth. The ones that are, are, are outside the city, outside of the kingdom of God, and in the lake of fire are the ones who do not love and practice the truth. Verse 16. I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify to you about the th- these things uh, for the churches. And he's talking again about the purpose of the whole book. I've, I've sent my angel to testify these things. What things? The things that are written in this book that we call the Revelation, or that he called the Revelation, um, for the churches. In other words, he, he gave them to the angel to communicate to John to, in turn, communicate to the churches which is why we're standing here or sitting here talking about it tonight. So I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. You know what that means? That You know what we've been talking about in, in Sunday school, the covenant? Um, that means he inherits the promises of the covenant, the blessed, uh, blessed blessings of the covenant or the blessed state that is promised in the covenant. He's the recipient. He's the root of, of, of Jesse, the seed of David, the seed of Abraham. So uh, the blessings of the covenant, which um, includes eternal life, right, is, is only realized in Christ. There is no salvation apart from Jesus. In fact, there are no true blessings from God apart from Jesus. He's, he's the recipient of, of the, uh, the, the blessings of the covenant. He's the only one that's kept the covenant. I mean, you understand, when there's, when there's a covenant between people, uh, they're both obligated to, to, bear the, to, you know, to, keep the, to keep the covenant conditions. So, for example, marriage is a covenant, and both parties in the marriage are, are bound to, um, to, to, keep the, 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 to keep the covenant keep the covenant promises. So in other words, the, the husband's got to be a one woman man. And on the flip side, the wife's got to be a one man woman. They got to be faith. They're both bound to be faithful. Well, that's the way it is with us and God, but you know what? We, we, we weren't faithful. And we weren't capable of being faithful because of our sin. So what does Jesus do? He comes and he is faithful for us. So, again, you get, get back to the washed robes for a minute. That's, that's His faithfulness. That's His righteousness. He perfectly kept all of the conditions that God demands. He never erred one single time. He never rebelled for a split second. He says in John, I always do those things that please the Father. He never, ever sinned. So His righteousness is put to our 
account. So um, he's the one who receives the blessings of the covenant. He's the, the root and descendant of David. But guess what? If we're in Christ, then we uh, inherit the blessings that he has earned. Okay, but, but he's the one that earned them, not us. Verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. So remember back in, ver- in verse 7, he said, Behold, I am coming soon. And now he says, and, and then again it was what, verse 12? Yeah, again in verse 12 he says it. Behold, I am coming soon. And so now he says in verse 17, um, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. That seems to mean that um, you know, there, there's agreement between the Holy Spirit and the bride. Who's the bride of, of Christ? The church, right? So, so it's, it's like, you know, the, the Spirit and the bride say come, meaning that they're, they're in agreement and longing for the coming of the bridegroom, Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say come, and let the one who hears, John gives exhortation here, uh, or Jesus, and let the one who hears say come. So he's telling us, you're reading this, you're hearing this, and you should be in, ag- in agreement too, saying Come, come, Lord Jesus, and let the one who is thirsty come. Now listen, back back in um, verse 11, he says, Let the evildoers still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, let the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Because when we get to that point, I mean, when Jesus returns, and you know the judgment, the great judgment day happens, there, there's no second chances. I mean, once you die or Jesus returns, it's your eternal destiny is set, right? As far as, as far as uh, there's no more. Ch- what I'm meaning here is there's no more opportunity for repentance. Once you, once you die, once you leave this world, there's no more opportunity for repentance. If Jesus comes today, if He comes in the next five minutes, there's no more opportunity for repentance after that. We leave this world and we go to judgment. Based on who we are right now, you know where we stand with Christ. So there, he's so there. I think that's what he's referring to, and he's, that's why he says, you know, let the evil doers still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, and so on. But here we are reading this, and we haven't gotten to that point yet. Jesus hasn't returned yet. The, the, the events that we're reading about in chapter 22, first part of chapter 22. The eternal state, we're not there yet. That's still future. So right now, there is opportunity for repentance. And so he says, let the one who is thirsty come. It's almost as, you know, he says, I give this to the angel to give to the churches. And it's almost as though he's thinking, just in case, just in case there's anybody in the churches out there that doesn't truly know Christ, or maybe maybe this letter will fall into the hands of some people who are not in the church, and they'll be reading this and wondering. So, so here's the exhortation. Here's the invitation. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for righteousness? Do you desire to be holy? Do you desire to have eternal life? Do you, do you desire to know the one true living God? 
and enjoy Him, enjoy knowing Him forever and ever and ever? Does, does that stir up any hunger or any thirst in your soul? When you, when you read these things about the eternal state, the eternal blessedness in the presence of Christ, does, does that stir something up within you that says, Boy, I wish I could have that. I've been dying of thirst and I would love to drink from that well. Well, here's what the Lord Himself says. Come. Come. Let, let him who thirsts come. That, that is, uh, just like all of Scripture, that is an awesome display of grace. Especially in the midst of all of this talk about judgment and eternal damnation and no turning back, uh, no second chances. But right now, it's as if he's saying, right now, it's not too late. Are you thirsty? Come. Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. You know why it says without price? Because you can't, you can't buy it. Not in any sense. And you can't do something to earn it. You can't purchase it. Jesus has purchased it in His life and death. You just, you just receive it by faith. In Jesus. And then he goes on to say, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, the Revelation, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. That's pretty sobering. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. In other words, you're not going to be, you're not going to have any part in that. You're going to be among the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone else who practices and loves falsehood. You be outside the holy city instead of inside. In verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. There it is again. Surely I am coming soon, Jesus says. Amen. Seems to be John responding there. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. And that's not a, again, um, you know, you, you see those, uh, that kind of uh, uh, signing off. You know, Paul does that in his letters too. And it's not just an empty uh, custom or something like that, just a, the way they say farewell. It's, it's a prayer for grace. It is the way they say farewell, but it's, but it's a sincere prayer for grace. And when you think of it in the context of this book, you know, all of the suffering, trials, tribulation, even judgments coming on the world that he's been talking about, um, what do we need to endure those things? We need grace. We need grace. And so John closes by praying for that for us. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. All right, I told you this morning that I would uh, try to give some opportunity for for any comments or questions. Any, we might have a little interaction. And, and you know, it, applies, it, it could be on what I talked about this morning or just now, or it could be on the book of Revelation period. Um, if it, I know Robert said he had one or two, and if anybody <laughs> else does... Uh, along with Robert, feel feel free. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. 
Any questions on what I, what I talked about this morning or just now or throughout this study? All right. We're going to um, partake of the Lord's Supper uh, here. So, guys, if y'all will come and prepare, uh, then we'll pray.